the title of the series that we're in is This Changes Everything, and the subtitle uh, is called The War Room. Now, I haven't seen the movie War Room yet. Uh, Has anyone seen that movie yet? Anyone seen it? I want to encourage you to go see it. I heard it's phenomenal, but I love the title, and so I decided to just kind of borrow it a little bit because I just absolutely love it. If you're taking notes, um, let me just encourage you to write down and underline the prayer wheel, okay? We are in the middle of a 14-day prayer intensive, okay? So if this is your first time at Celebration, let me just catch you up. Um, A prayer intensive is when we begin to pray on a regular basis with a level of fervency that we might not be able to sustain for a year, but we can do it for 14 days. And uh, what we do is every day for the next 14 days that you want to commit to praying, you get on our website, you put your name on the particular date that you commit to, because once you actually commit to it, I mean, there's no prayer police that's going to come to your house if you miss a day, but there's something on the inside of you that says, I committed to this, I put my name on it, I'm going to follow through with it. And so it's very important for you to commit yourself in that way. And we're not just randomly praying, we're praying through this prayer wheel that's got some slices, color-coded slices. Now, if you've never prayed 30 minutes before, I want to encourage you, this, is, this makes praying so easy Because if you just hit one particular slice one or two times, then you're all the way through a half hour without even realizing it. And so if you haven't started yet, go to our website today and join the prayer intensive. Uh, If you've already started, let me just encourage you. We've got seven more days. If you've missed a couple days, don't let the enemy tell you anything that's discouraging. You just plow forward and keep on going because hell is nervous when you pray. Hell gets nervous when you pray. If you believe in God, if you recognize God, but you don't pray, hell is not nervous at all. Um, Hell believes in God, um, but when you start praying and developing a relationship with the almighty king of the world, hell gets very, very nervous. Let me just go through these uh, slices real quick uh, to remind us and to update those of you that this might be your first time. Very first thing we do is we praise him. Next, we repent. The first, very first thing you, you do is just, uh, the second thing is you begin to repent. Um, and if you can't think of anything to repent for because you don't make any mistakes, then repent for lying, okay? <laughs> there you go. That'll get you started. Um, and then um, personal growth, family and friends, petitions, just any prayer request you have. Um, and, and that's the orange section, which the, the orange, all the, the focus is on yourself. The gold, the focus is on God. The green, the focus is on Celebration Church. We begin to pray for unsaved people. People that if Jesus comes back, the Bible says that he's going to come back in a twinkling of an eye. That could happen at any time. If that happens, will they go to heaven? If the answer is no... We've got to pray these people into the church of God. Um, now, some of them you know and some of them you don't know, but you want to pray them in. Um, also, the unchurched, people that have a relationship with God. If Jesus comes today, uh, they're going to heaven. They just don't have a church home. We want to pray them in to have a church home. Now, let me say this. When you pray this prayer, one or two or both things are going to happen Either number one, somebody's going to intersect in your day, someone's going to cross paths with you, and you're going to invite them to church personally, or you're going to pray, and God's going to bring them to church a different way. Um, And then strengthen for the people that attend church here, we want us to be strong. The light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. So we start praying for each other. Then we pray for the will of God, our nation, and then praise. So we're in the middle of this prayer intensive. And uh, just raise your hand if you've signed up for at least one day of the 14. Let me see who you are. Go ahead, raise your hand up real high, wave it around. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm enjoying praying with you. Whatever room you're in to pray, that has become the war room. If you're in your laundry room, at your house, it just became the war room. If you're in the bathroom, it just became your war room. My daughter is 11 years old. She signed up for a few days. She told me she can't pray in her room because she gets distracted. 
She tried to pray in the guest bedroom. She gets distracted in there. She said, Daddy, the only place I can go and pray through the prayer wheel without getting distracted is the bathroom. Let me just share with you, I have prayed many a times in the bathroom. Anybody pray in the bathroom before? It's the only place you can get some peace and quiet. <laughs> go in the bathroom and, and just pray through that prayer wheel. Um, and, and so I just want you to know, if you're in the bathroom praying, that just became the war room. If you're in the guest bedroom, that just became the war room. When you pray, you war. Uh, your relationship with God uh, is, is so powerful uh, that hell is afraid of it. And, and I want us all to embrace the fact that we all have a couple things in common. Number one, we're all in the middle of a battle. All of us are in the middle of a battle. If you're not in the middle of a battle then there's a battle coming. The Bible says this, that so long as we're on the earth, there is going to be trouble. That's in the Bible. I bet you don't have that on your refrigerator though, right? You know, you probably have like love covers all things, you know, things like that. But it's in the Bible. You're going to have trouble. So you're either in a battle right now or there's a battle coming. Even Adam and Eve, they were in the garden, loving life, walking around naked thinking life can't get any better than this snake was coming right there it's 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 either coming or it's here in in my favorite verse or one of them and if i say this verse every single sunday it won't be enough psalms 56 9 in the living bible it reads like this every time you pray the tide of your battle turns every time you pray the tide of the battle turns. If you pray in your head, if you pray in your heart, if you pray out loud, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. When you pray in your head, it's because where you're at is not appropriate to pray out loud. If you're in the middle of a meeting and all of a sudden you just, Jesus, thank you, Lord. That's not going to go well. I'm just saying, it's just probably not going to go well. When you pray in your head, God hears that prayer. And every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Whether it's a long prayer or a short prayer. Uh, you know, we've all probably prayed this prayer. Have you ever been driving down the road? A car pulls out in front of you. You don't have time to say, Lord, I love you so much. This is all you have. Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! That's all you got time for. Jesus! That prayer right there, God hears that prayer. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. What's the point of a 14-day prayer intensive? That's when we begin to accelerate our prayer to accelerate the turning of the battle. Sometimes you're just sick of the battle that you're in. You're saying, okay, God, if I'm always going to have a battle, that's fine. I just don't want this one anymore. I don't want this one anymore. Some of you are like, ah, I can take it, I can take it. No, and then others of you are like, I can't take it anymore. Right? This one you begin to accelerate. And so let, let me just, uh, for those of you that like to, to read, Cleet and I like to, to trade books and, and mention to each other books that we're reading. Um, there's a, it's an old book. Okay, This book is like 30, 30 years old, 35 years old. Uh, it's called The Road Less Traveled. Has anyone read it by, uh, by Peck? Um, he says this in his book. I'm reading it right now. He says that discipline solves all problems. He says if you have a lot of discipline, you solve a lot of problems. If you have a little bit of discipline, you, you solve a few problems. If you have no discipline, you don't solve any problems. I want to say that this praying thing that we're doing, if you're only disciplined in one area, let it be this area. Because you are cultivating a relationship with the king of the universe that can cause every single battle you're facing to be turned. Every single battle you're facing to be moved. Someone say amen to that. All right, let's unpack the war room a little bit. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3. Uh, I usually read out of the, the New Living Translation, but I'm going to read out of the, the King James Version. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 3. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, he's saying though we all have bodies, though we all have physical bodies, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, when we fight... Our battles, they're not in the flesh. 
So though you may think that your battle is with your mother-in-law, it's really not. Some people call them in-laws, some people call them outlaws, I don't know. But it has nothing to do with your mother-in-law. It's a spiritual battle. You may think that your battle is with your boss, it's not. It's a spiritual battle. So he's saying, though we have physical bodies, we don't war in the flesh. Uh, And we don't war after the flesh. Verse 4, for our weapons of warfare are not carnal. Now I know that this church is right in the heart of Texas. So that means that with a room full of people like we have right now, we might have more uh, CHLs than driver's license. I understand that. I understand that you guys are packing heat in your boot, in your purse. You get, there's guns in this room. I understand that. Um, but, but here's the thing. You can't use your guns in spiritual warfare. You can't use your guns. You can't go shoot the devil in the head. You, you can't pull out your Smith & Wesson and go hunting for, you know, and have a spiritual warfare. It's not a physical thing. Your weapons that you use are not carnal. You can't take a grenade... And just throw it in hell. That's not how it works. Your weapons, my weapons, they're of a spiritual nature. It reads like this. But the mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Everybody say imaginations. Imaginations. One more time. Imaginations. And everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. One last time, repeat after me. Say, knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to obedience of Christ. So he's describing what the war room is like. He's describing for every person here that going to church is not enough for you. See, going to church is enough for some people. They they feel good. I did it. All right, let's let's get back to life. For others of you, church is a part of the relationship. It's not the relationship. You come to church to get focused, to get strengthened, and to get encouraged. But this is kind of like we're in the locker room, right? We're in the locker room. We're encouraging each other. If it's okay for me to, to build on this analogy, I'm the coach and I'm encouraging you. I'm equipping you. But the game is out there, right? The game's out there. So when we get out there, we're cultivating our relationship with God. We're praying. We're trying to be effective. And so in order to be effective, we've got to visit the war room in war. Because it is a fight. Your relationship with God is a battle. Not with God, but with the enemy of God. So there's three in particular things that we've got to know about this battle. Number one is the nature of the battle. Number two is the name of the battle. And number three is the goal of the battle. The nature of the battle, the name of the battle, and the goal of the battle. Here's the nature of the battle. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. For we wrestle not against people, but against spirits. Now, I grew up playing basketball in high school, and I would walk on the way to the gym. I'd look to this right, and and there would be a big wrestling match, and there would be the wrestling team would be in there. Now... If you paid me a million dollars to join the wrestling team, I would not take it. Why? Several reasons. One, I don't like wearing onesies as an adult. (laughs) I don't like that. Number two, other men who wear onesies, I don't want you in my space. If I'm forced to wear a onesie and there's another guy wearing a onesie, I don't want to roll around with you. (laughs) Don't take this personal. But when you're wrestling with a guy or you are, there's, I I got into a fight one time in high school. Every time I got into a fight, it never ended well with for me. But I I dove at this guy's legs. It was so it was so funny. I I, I actually called him out 
we're, I said, we were in my buddy's apartment, and this guy was there, and I didn't like him. He didn't like me. I said, how about we just go downstairs and end this whole thing right now? Now, when, when, when you say things like that, you don't really mean it. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, this is, this is me fighting, okay? This is my fight. Why don't we just go downstairs and this thing all right? Well, all right. And you act crazy. And you start looking crazy. All right, all right, all right, all right. And so he stood up and said, let's go. I was like, whoa, I didn't think. <laughs> so I get out there, and I, I only got one move, and that's move this mouth. And so we get down there, and I start. <laughs> I promise this is a true story. I was like. I said, you want some of this? You want some of this? He's like this. I was like, come on. Here I come. I'm about to go. I'm about to go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm getting tired telling him I'm coming. True story. I said, in my head, I heard this little voice like, you better do something. So I jump at his legs. I don't know why I did that, but I did that. I dove at his legs. He grabbed me like this and just fell backwards. I could not breathe. My hands were like this. And so he had nothing to say a minute ago. Now he had a lot of things to say. Who's your daddy? Blah, 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 blah. I was like, I don't know, I don't know. In my hands, and I'll never forget this, he, he's, he's wrestling me, he's pinning me, he knew secret moves. <laughs> he didn't tell me this when we were in the apartment, otherwise we wouldn't be down here. My hands were like this, and I promise, I, I, this is so the truth. He had me like this, my head is turning the color of what it's not right now. And I saw a whole bunch of fingers. And I didn't know if those were his fingers or mine. And so I just said, I'm going to move my fingers to see if those are my fingers. Okay? Wrestling is, is, is a very interesting... Paul is saying, look, you're wrestling here. He, the enemy is in your space. He's not shooting at you with a sniper. He is in your space. He's in your, your space. He's messing with your family, messing with your finances, messing with your mind. He's in your space. That's what Paul's saying here. We don't wrestle. We don't wrestle with people. We wrestle with spirits. It's in our heads. Have you ever tried pushing a thought out of you? I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. You're wrestling. If you're looking at your spouse, you're like, did you just say what I think you said? Did, did you just say what I think you said? Uh, okay, I think I'm going to have to go ahead and go off on you. And then there's this other voice in, no, 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 no. Don't get into a fight. This ain't worth fighting over. This ain't worth fighting over. No, no, no. This is worth fighting. You're wrestling. You're wrestling. I believe God's going to help me. God's going to bless me. No, he's not. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. This is wrestling. God blesses other people. He doesn't bless me. Wrestling. God loves him, but he doesn't love me. I've done too many things in my life. Wrestling. This is wrestling. And this is the nature. This is the nature of spiritual battles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 9, it says this. Because a great and important door has opened for my work, there are many people opposing me. You know what he's saying? He's saying when you have an, an opportunity right before you, expect opposition. So not only are we wrestling, when hell sees that there is a blessing coming your way. Can someone whistle for me? I can't wait. Yeah. All right. So let's do it on cue, okay? When I look at you, just whistle and, and be 12 of you. I don't care. When, when hell sees that you're about to be blessed, and hell can see when you're about to be blessed. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but let me just get this point out. When hell sees that you're about to be blessed, hell, Satan, demons, they see you're about to be blessed, and all of a sudden they go... <laughs> that was kind of cool. <laughs> And all of 
the devils, they all come to your house. They all come to your world and they wrestle you all at the same time. They come at you. Why? Because there is a great door of opportunity coming your way. There's a blessing coming your way. If you're taking notes, the bigger the battle, the bigger the blessing. The size of the battle is an indication of the size of the blessing. Now, how do we know that hell sees blessings? I'm so glad you asked. In the book of Daniel, a guy named Daniel was praying for a blessing. He prayed for 21 days. After 21 days, the angel showed up with the blessing. Now, Daniel had a vertebrae made of steel. Because when the angel showed up, he looked at the angel and went, where you been? So glad you could show up. What have you been doing? The last 21 days have been hell for me. What have you been doing? Anybody ever want to say that to an angel? So glad you're here. Can't wait to see the blessing. But first of all, where you been? I've been praying forever. Now, he had, he had the nerve to say that. Me? I would have fainted. <laughs> Little sidebar. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I fell asleep the other night. I got up in the middle of the night to go pray. I'm in the guest bedroom praying down the house. This happened like two nights ago. I'm, everybody's sleeping. The whole world's sleeping. I'm in the guest bedroom praying, 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 praying. I'm telling God, Lord, I want to see things. I want to feel things. I want to see through your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. And I pick up my stuff. I'm going to go to bed. It's like two o'clock in the morning. And, and Allie decides she's going to go check the door to make sure it's locked. In Jesus' name, I turn the corner and went, <laughs> It's like you just scared me. I lay down and said, God, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to see any angels. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to see anything. Everything I just said, just ignore it. I don't want to see anything. Scared me to death. I got in the bed feeling like such a little baby because I'm thinking my wife is thinking, you're the one that's going to protect us. If... Jeez, I felt terrible. But, but, this, but Daniel said, where have you been? And the, the, the angel said back to him, I, this blessing that I have for you, the moment you started praying, God sent me. I took the blessing and I've been coming down. I was on my way to you. But a devil saw me coming and stopped me in the air and started fighting me. Read it for yourself. I was fighting him, holding the blessing. The Bible says, but he was too strong for me. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh. There's something I must tell you. I am not left-handed. You didn't see Princess Bride? Okay. So he starts fighting, and he had to call for help. And he's, help me, help me. I'm getting beat over here. True story in the Bible. A bigger angel, Michael, had to come down. Michael has a sword the size of an oak tree. He comes down, beats down the devil. The angel <sighs> here you go. Hell can see when a blessing is coming. When you're on day 14, you're on day 19, you just got to keep on praying. You don't know what's happening up there. You don't know what's going on up there. You just got to keep on praying. When hell is fighting an angel, trying to keep an angel from coming your way, the only hope that that devil has is that you're going to shut up. Because the more you pray, the more the tide of the battle changes. That's a, just buy me some time. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Just buy me some time. I'm just going to hold him off. Just hold him off. Just hold him off. Just, just, how, is he ever going to, I'm on 20 days here. I can't hold him off very much longer. Here comes Michael. Oh no, now I'm dead. I recently read a quote by Charles Spurgeon. It says that the windows of heaven are always open above you as long as your mouth is as well. The minute you stop praying, 
the game changes. That's why the war room is so important. That's why when you get into that war room and you go through that prayer wheel, don't pray at an intensity level of a one. Pray at an intensity level of a ten in every single part. And you'll hit certain parts of the wheel where you'll pray for ten minutes. Other parts of the wheel, you'll pray for 60 seconds. Because on those certain parts, you'll feel the Lord pulling on your heart. Number two, the name of the battle. God actually names the battle. He, he looks down and he says, these enemies that come against you, they fight you with imaginations. Imaginations. Hell fights all of us with our imagination. It all starts here. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Um, let me see here. Who do we got? 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 Everybody's real nervous right now. Everybody's real nervous. Charles and Renee, why don't you guys come up, uh, up here real quick? Actually, Renee, you just wait one minute. Charles, why don't you come on up here real quick? Uh, we're going to unpack this. Charles, let me, let me build this story. Go ahead and stand right there. Let's say Charles decides, yeah, the 14-day intensive, I'm in. I'm so tired of trying to do this myself. I need, I need God's help. The minute that happens, now there's warfare because hell, hell sees a great door of opportunity. And so now this is how hell is going to fight with his imagination. He is going to try to lead him in a direction to get him to start thinking about something else. Now, now you're continuing to try to move forward, but hell is going to try to get him to think about something else. Try to get him to think about something else. You come walking in this church, you feel a passion for God, you're going to start praying. What do you think is waiting for you outside those doors? Imagination. We're going to get you to think about something else. Now, if you read the scriptures, he fights you in three particular areas of thought. Uh, the, the first one is, is with, uh, let me make sure I, I, I go in the order that I want to go in because I don't want to mess up the tech. The first order is the order of doubt, where you begin to doubt everything is even real. So here you are, you're pursuing God, and here's hell with the imaginations. Here's the imagination. Do you really think that God made the whole world? Do you really think that God still does miracles? I mean, when was the last time you saw one? It begins to put doubt in your mind. Because if he can get doubt, now you're fighting me. Now put that under your arm real quick. You're fighting. You're trying to pursue God. But hell is fighting you with your imaginations. So when you start doubting, you know somebody just showed up. Here's the second area. If this doesn't work, if doubt doesn't work, you know the cool thing is, it's not really cool, but it's reality. Sorry, Charles. Um, sometimes he'll try and noose you. Um, let's see here. He, he's got another one. So if, if doubt doesn't work, and for some of you, that works great. Others of you, you don't ever doubt God. So he's got to use a different one. So he puts it on you. And, and what's this one going to be? This one is temptations. So he's going to get you to be tempted to do things that you don't, your spirit man doesn't want to do. You, your, your spirit knows what's right. The Bible says that he tattoos or engraves his laws, his desire on your heart. So when your spirit is going one way, hell is putting thoughts in your mind about a different direction that deep down inside you know are right. Now, it's not because the preacher said they're not right. Because the preacher didn't even talk about that topic in the last 100 years in your world. But you can feel it. Are you with me? So you're pursuing and he's messing with your imaginations, lusting, desiring things. Now watch this. Let's say that doesn't work. Well, he doesn't stop. You would think that he would stop, but he doesn't stop. How many people know he doesn't stop? 
He doesn't stop. The next thing is he tries again. He tries with something else. Go ahead and loop that. So doubt didn't work. Temptation didn't work. And now the Bible says the cares of this world. See, Jesus was talking about this to a a multitude of people. He says when a farmer throws out seed, sometimes it lands on ground and they doubt. And so it doesn't last. Sometimes the temptations come and it doesn't last. And then sometimes it's the cares of this world. You get so consumed with goals and visions of this world that you're no longer even pursuing God. You're now just following. You're just following. Now, yeah, your, your bank account is going up like crazy, but you're just following at this point. Now watch this. Anytime the enemy, go ahead and stand up there again. Anytime the enemy tries to pull you away, you notice I got this gold thread on here? Because every lie of the enemy always has a strand of truth. See, when the enemy decides to pull you with temptation, it can say things like, you're not getting any attention from your spouse anyway. When he tries to pull you with cares of this world, it can say, you're doing so good in your career that if you just keep on just for a few more years, you won't have to worry as much as you do right now. That's actually probably true. But there has to be a little bit of truth in every lie, otherwise you won't believe it. Are you with me? There's always a little bit. Now, when you're talking bad about a person, what you're saying might be true. There's always a little bit of righteousness mixed into the batch. It's kind of like this, uh, this story I recently heard of this, uh, this little 12-year-old boy went up to his mom and dad, asked if he could have some friends over his house so they could watch this movie. She said, I love the idea. What's the movie? The boy told the mother the movie. She goes, I think there's like some nudity and cussing in that, right? And the boy was like, it's only just like for a quick second. So she said, okay, no worries. Bring him over. It's only just for a second. It's just a little piece, right? Yeah, it's just a little piece. Bring him over. In fact, I'm going to make you brownies. I'm going to make brownies for you guys while you watch the movie. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get some of that dog poo, just a little bit. (laughs) Not a lot, just a little bit. And I'm going to mix it in the batch. Probably won't even taste it. (laughs) You'll forget that it ever even happened. The little boy had big... I don't even want to see the movie, to be honest with you. Chuck wanted to see the movie. I didn't want to see the movie. I don't even like movies like that. (laughs) You ever notice our kids are awesome? It's their best friends that are real bad. (laughs) What scares me is that my kid is somebody's best friend. (laughs) Very awkward. So there's this pulling. Renee, come on up here real quick. And, um, And Isaiah, why don't you come on up here as well? I'm sorry. Go ahead and put... um, Put this on both of you. Loop this around both of you. Now, if you're married, this is what God wants. He he wants you to be like this. This is not what Satan wants. But Satan does want this if you're not married. Because, see, when you're not married, he wants you to do things physically that are not righteous and they're not holy. And so he's all about this. But once you do get married, now he changes his tactic. He doesn't want you to be super close, staying up to 3 o'clock in the morning, saying, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. (laughs) All right? That doesn't happen anymore. Now, we got to start messing with our imaginations in a different way. Uh, Go ahead and loop that. And why don't you guys hold each other's hands like you're getting married? Go ahead. Go ahead and face each other. You're getting married. Now, now it's a different tactic. There you go. That's always the face they make when they're getting married. But now it's a different tactic. The minute they get married, now we're doing something different. Because before, it was hell trying to keep them together to be as unholy as possible. But now that being together is no longer a sin, now we're going to turn it around. Now we want them to stay away from each other because now being away from each other is a sin. 
So what's the temptation now? To not pay attention to each other. To not make love to each other. To not stay committed to each other. This is constantly happening. Now watch this. Hang on. Look at this. Look at no, Stay right here, Isaiah. You're doing great. Look at this. Hold that rope for me. There's always a righteous thought in the mix. Well, he's the jerk. He's the one being the idiot. <laughs> this is all hypothetical, right? <laughs> he, he is the one that started it. Why am I going to apologize? Man, I'm getting all up in your mix. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all up in your mix this morning. You didn't even know it. You were coming to church to worship God. You didn't know I was going to come all up in your world. <laughs> So now, so now this is happening. He's got thoughts that he shouldn't have, a.k.a. imaginations. She's got thoughts that she shouldn't have, imaginations. Now watch this. Here, step out of the frame for a second. Let's just imagine she was never married. She's single. Now when you're single, a lot of times you come up with your own rules. But the rules sound really righteous because of your unique situation there's always a threat that sounds right let me just tell you it's all imaginations if it's not grounded in the word of god if it's, if you can't be free in the presence of god just know your imaginations imaginations that's how he tries to fight us give the lord a standing ovation for that you can take it with you number three you know i want to talk to let me just kind of circle back to that just for a second i just saw something on my notes that i don't want to skip um my heart um is, is, is always hurting for uh, the single people who are dating because how do you not be physically immoral and when you can take the platform of, well, God uh, made this good feeling and I want my body to feel good. It's my body. I should be able to do what I want with it. Well, that's not correct theological believing. I know I said that wrong. Um, But that's not a correct theological belief, nor is it abide by natural laws. You you can't do anything you want with your body. You can't. Um, If you think you can, go to the Woodlands Mall, take out a little mirror go to the food court, lay it down on the table, and take out some cocaine and lay it on the mirror and just start snorting it and see how long that lasts. Because what happens is a policeman will show up and say, no, it is your body, but you can't do that with it. You see, it is my body is only a, a argument that... that you only use it during certain times when it's convenient. Uh, if you think that it's your body, here's another example. Go out to your car, go down to a bar, get slammed hammered, get as drunk as you can, take all your clothes off, get back in your car, turn your car on, and drive 100 miles an hour down the highway. It's your body. You can do whatever you want. See how that goes. That's not going to fly. What's going to happen? Whoop, whoop, car 54, where are you? They're going to catch you and walk the line. I can do what I want. No, you can't. You can't do what you want. It's a natural law. The second thing is it's a spiritual law. The king of the universe loves you so much that he says, I don't want to live in heaven. You live on earth. I don't even want to live next door to you. I don't even want to be so close to you that we're kind of like we, we walk next to each other all the time. I love you so much that I want to be inside of you. When you sit down, I sit down. When you stand up, I stand up. I want to be inside of you. And so he says back to you, your whole body is my temple. I live in you. And so there's a certain expectation that I want you to have 
for your temple. Does everybody say, I got that? I got that. So there's certain things that we just take care of that we think through. Number three, the goal of the battle, to destroy the knowledge of God. The scripture says that he comes against our imaginations and he comes against our knowledge of God. Let me remind you of how it reads. Let's see if I can find it here on my notes. It says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? That means that when hell looks at you and it's fighting you and wrestling you, it wants to take away the knowledge that you have about God. The things that you know about God, hell wants to challenge it to make you doubt it, to give it up. Deep down in your heart, you know that if you pursue God, you're pursuing a God who loves you. Deep down in your heart, you know that God is a merciful God. Deep down in your heart, you know that God watches you and he's been watching you since before you were born. He knew you while you were in your mother's womb. But what hell wants to do is to take what you believe deep down in your heart and take it away. To challenge and take away the knowledge that you have of God. And make you start thinking of other things in a completely different way. This is why the war room is so important. Because you, you build on the knowledge of God. You don't remove the knowledge of God. Uh, I'll illustrate it with this. My, my father got a divorce when <clears throat> I think I was 15 or 16 years old. I moved out of the house when I was 19. I moved to Chicago. And so he told me this after I had moved away. He said this, he goes, I was driving down Kingwood Parkway. He lives in Kingwood. And I had just lost everything. And he goes, I started yelling at the devil in my car. He said, Satan, you have taken my wife. All of my kids, they're all over the country. They didn't even grow up with me. You've taken my job. You've taken my money. Everything that I used to have is gone. It's all gone. He starts yelling and goes, what do you expect me to do? Do you want me to stop loving God? Do you want me to stop going to church? What are you hoping I am going to do? And he says to Satan, I can't leave God. He's the only one that hasn't left me. I can't leave him. This is what the enemy tries to do, is he tries to get us to doubt God. The whole fight is to try to get us to doubt God. I had a dream when I was a kid. I had a dream while the divorce was happening. Um, I had this dream that I was in the backseat of a car. And just so you know, if you don't know me, I don't really do a lot of spiritual dreams. If A lot of times when someone... When I have a spiritual dream, I just assume I, I ate too much pizza. But um, this was real for me. We're driving the car. I was sitting in the back seat in my dream, and my dad was in the passenger seat. And it was just he and I. And the one driving the car, I knew was Satan. I couldn't see him, but I, I knew it in my dream. So my dad was sitting there in the passenger seat like this. I could see the back of his head. He was being real still. I was sitting behind my dad. And all of a sudden, I'll never ever forget this. Satan was driving. My dad's whole life just went to the commode. Lost everything. I'm 15. He turns around while he's driving. Points me right in my face and goes, and I'm coming after you next. I'm not going to go through my testimony because it's too humiliating. And there's certain parts of my testimony that are so bad that I can't even talk about it. I can't even think about it. Let me just tell you, the next four years of my life, oh yeah. From 15 to 19, I can't even begin to tell you. I should not be here. I should not be here. 
pointed right at me and said, I'm coming after you next. The one thing that my dad knew how to do, and as a kid, I would hear him turn the doorknob and lift up on it because our door would squeak if you didn't lift up on the handle. In the middle of the night, with us losing everything, I would hear at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'd jump out of bed because anywhere my dad went, I wanted to go to. I'd look out the Venetian blinds and I'd see my dad go walking down the street and he would always look like this because he'd be praying. Watched him pray as we went through hell. So when Satan turned around and pointed at him and said, I'm coming after you next, I only knew how to do one thing. And that's to go out at 2 o'clock in the morning and lift up the door and to go war on my own because I knew my dad couldn't fight that battle for me. I'm 16 years old, I'm 17 years old, I'm 19 years old. He can't fight that battle for me. And you know what? I feel the presence of God right now because I know I'm married, been married for 14 years, I've got three kids. He can't fight those battles for me. I got to go out there by myself. I got to lift up on the door handle and I've got to pray on my own. And let me just tell you, I've got... I have to go in my war room. You have to go in your war room. You have to go in your war room because we don't have anyone else that will never leave us and never forsake us. Can somebody say amen to that? Let's stand to our feet, please. I'd like for you to bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in this room. Actually, look back up at me for a minute. I almost changed my sermon right before I came up here because I opened up the Bible to find the scripture that I was going to speak out of, and I saw a different scripture, and I almost wanted to preach on that. But I've been preparing this for four days, and I was just like, I need to preach this. But you know what I almost preached? Jesus was talking, and there was a whole multitude of people that were following him. They all wanted to follow him, and they all wanted to have a relationship with him. And he, and he backed up, and he was like, there's too many people here. Something, something's not right. There's too many people here. That's not how preachers and pastors think today. Today, the more the better. That's not how Jesus thought. He turned around and was like, wait a minute, there's too many people here. He goes, I don't think you guys have counted the cost of what it's going to cost you to follow me. I don't think you've done that. You want to follow me. You're saying you want to follow me. You're all here. You enjoyed the food that I just served you. But I don't think that you've counted the cost. And he says, what home builder begins to build a home without figuring out the cost first? He goes, I don't think you figured out the cost. I don't think you realize what this is going to cost you. This is not a sermon that preachers preach anymore because we want you to love us. Let me just tell you, I want you to like me. Every time I find out somebody doesn't like me, it hurts my feelings. We want you to love us. So we don't really want to share the cost. But following Jesus Christ requires sacrifice. It requires you to say, let me just, tech team, find this scripture. I know you guys got it. It's in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, people that will laugh and joke about the church and preachers and Christians, walking after their own lusts. In other words, what they want to do is what they want to do. Jesus is like, hold on. Leave that scripture up there, please. Hold on, guys. Count the cost. Count the cost. This is is not about what you want to do anymore. This is about you telling all of your lusts and all of your physical desires 
Stop it. Shut up. I'm focusing on Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. And so he looks at them all and goes, are you sure? Are you sure? I just saw Juan and Rebecca Barajas right now. They've been a part of our church for eight years. Our church is only 10. They've been a part of our church eight years. Uh, I just imagined what they're thinking right now because our church is growing and it's strong and things are going well. They're probably thinking, Pastor Frankie, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. People, don't tell them about the cost. Just let them keep coming to church. Look, I can build a church or I can build a kingdom. It's two totally different things. This is, this is not about me. This is not about you liking me as much as I love to be liked. This is about me introducing a man named Jesus that came on this earth, that loves you passionately, that wants to have a relationship with you, that hell hates you and is warring against you every day. This is not a game. This is warfare. And I want you to come in this place and I want to equip you and empower you because it's not a game out there. It's intense out there. It's intense. It's not a game. How many of us have had our families ripped apart? My hand is up. My wife's hand is up. Come on. It's not a game out there. How many of us have financial stresses? It's not a game out there. How many of us have sickness in our body and the only thing you want more than $10 million is just to get out of bed without being in pain? It's not a game out there. It's not a game. It's warfare. And if we don't learn how to war, Oh, it's going to be a rough life. It's going to be a rough life. The Bible says that no, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Weapons are going, to pro- are going to be formed. Oh, they're going to be formed. It's just up to you and how often you visit the war room to determine whether or not they're going to prosper or not. Are you with me? God is good and he's great, somebody. Come on, give him a standing ovation.